Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. In the final week of this decade, we are talking about a Star War. The Skywalker saga comes to an end in Rise of Skywalker. rate and review us it helps people find us um it's almost a new year almost a new decade just jump on in if you've been listening to this and want us to continue into your next decade just be like hey keep going folks just don't give up um <laughs> a little, got a little dark there sorry a little bit yeah um but yeah we this week as i said we'll be talking about star wars rise of skywalker we will also talk about disappointments of the year because we are the knicks and that's what we do um, first, we'll just start off with some general pop culture feelings. What did you do in pop culture this week, Manny? I watched All of You Season 2. This is It's on Netflix. The first season was on Lifetime, I think, but then Netflix took it over. And this is with Penn Bagley, which is the douchiest of all douche names. And he has the douchiest hair, and he plays the douchiest character that you root for for no apparent reason. This is a show about a stalker, serial killer finding love this is not a good show however it's a show you can't turn off and also as i will mention later i was doing a lot of crocheting desperately trying to get a crochet project done for someone before his birthday in march and it was a christmas present and it was past christmas so you uh season two and lots of housewives reunion shows was was what i was watching while i did that i saw you had a lot of um like hashtag trending it seemed like people were actually watching it oh yeah no tons of people yeah. watch it and like it and yeah. and think it's really like something i noticed it more uh, yeah time. i don't think it's really and it dropped the day after christmas which was probably really smart while everybody's sitting around and it i mean it's not terrible but it's not good and i will watch the third season i like these books a lot um, I think the writer is talented. Uh, I would be interested, and her she's supposed to come out with a third book about Joe Goldberg. That's the name of the character, um, and I'm hoping she comes out with that book before they come out with a third season of this show. Although it does seem like the show took a slightly different turn than the books did. And this isn't the Santino Fontaine. Those are the ones he reads. Okay. He reads them. Right. He does not play the... Yeah. Perpetually he narrates. confused about yeah. this topic. I know. And I Penn vaguely Bagley <laughs> vaguely looks like... Like if you needed a douchier, maybe slightly more appealing Santino Fontana. Not that I... I too young to like 25-year-olds. Not to me, Santino Fontana. If you weren't married and had a kid, you could call me. I think you're great, but... To other people, Penn Bagley is probably a hotter version of Santino Fontana, and yeah, totally. But I don't do the douche thing. So <laughs> anyway, I don't do the douche thing. You heard it here first. On the next. Okay, um. moving on. I also watched the last four episodes of Please Like Me, be only because uh, Josh Thomas's new show, only. Everything's Gonna Be Okay, premieres January sixteenth. So it was. Oh, it was like that's just enough time that I won't have to be sad that I don't have any new content. So, also, I'm super mad at you about that. Right. Um, yeah. We can talk spoilers on we, that. We, since it's, you know, what, two or three years yeah. old at this point? Um, 
Yeah, man, such a good show and really so great show. deals with dealing with a relative with mental illness um, it, to horrible ends. Yeah. Um, but it also the love and the understanding of those characters. It is it's one of my favorite comedies it's, of the past ten years. Like unbelievably good, and yeah. everybody in it is great. Gadsby's fantastic. Thomas is great. One of the best character turnarounds on the roommate's girlfriend oh since god. Jamie Lannister. So good. You end up. Just, you know, <laughs> it's that. like, oh my god! <laughs> I hated every word out of your mouth yeah. in the first season, and now it's like, no, don't break up with him. I think he can I make even it work. Told you that that it was going to be. Was, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. But I've show. told people that about Jamie Lannister too, yeah. and they told me I was fucking crazy. It's and, such a yeah. kind show. It's like for how sort of acerbic the dialogue is, underneath it, it is so kind. Yeah, it's really and I just, good. I really love that. I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to be that into the new one. I don't know. It just looks weird. I don't, but I will give it a chance. Okay. It's him. Yes. Um, I also turned on, I'll watch 10 minutes of Breaking Away because it's 40 years old. Da, da, da. Watched all of it. Of course, it's an hour and a half long because they used to make movies that clipped along. I mean, I've watched this movie in the last five years. I know I have. I own it. It's a great movie. It always holds up. And Paul Dooley's performance as the dad in this thing is unbelievably good and understanding, but also acerbic. And the changes that he makes are so good. And the dialogue is so funny. And I love that these four friends, okay, so there's like the midget guy who gets mad. I mean, he's not a midget, but that's what they, that's how you make him mad is to call him Shorty or a midget, which Jackie Earl Haley. There's uh, Cyril, who is, what's his bucket from Home Alone? Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. I'm looking at the cast. And yeah, and everybody, around. like his, his whole shtick is that he disappoints his dad all the time, even though he's not that bad. Dennis Christopher, who... All of these men sit around at 19 years old and let their friend begin pretending like he's Italian. That's and then put up with him. And then the quarterback. It's this wonderful group of men looking out for each other, which is really kind of neat and not in this, you know, horrible frat boy look, you know, letting each other do terrible things. There's some. And There's some really good work in this movie by Dennis Quaid and not just in the cutoff shorts. I was going to say Dennis Quaid in those bike shorts was a moment. Yeah, peak foxiness. <laughs> I will give you peak foxiness for Dennis Quaid. I know However, peak, but no, it's, up. Uh, you need to watch it again. <laughs> trust me, it's peak foxiness. But he also really nails some of that. I was somebody in high school and now I'm just going to be 20 year old Mike, right. 30 year old Mike. Mean old man Mike, and they're just going to keep calling me a cutter, and it's just another thing I never got to be. Yeah. And it's really, really good. And I still cried, and I still cheered, and it's worth checking out, you guys. It's it's on Amazon. It's cheap. 1979. 1979, 40 years old. And I remember that being one of the first, maybe we talked about it. It was the first one the I was mad it didn't win. One of the first kind of prestige like yep. right like in the contention yep. and i sort of was like what is this movie about and somebody finally let me watch it i don't think i saw it in the theaters i think somebody like no i did several times it to me on video and i just i got i got like then that a movie almost more so than like spielberg or like star wars it's... a movie could be fun and also deeply felt and sort of like why it we do this podcast really talks about culture, the it's kind yes. of yeah really talks about the culture class clashes well it um it's just 
excellent. And it's funny and it's sweet and it's super worth it. And Dennis um, Quaid in shorts. And yeah, cut off shorts on on uh, Dennis Quaid when he's wet and diving in the water. Okay, we're going to move on because that could turn into a whole yep. thing. Yep. <laughs> um, I couldn't decide between watching uh, reading Furious Hours by Casey Sepp or Say Nothing by Patrick Wright, Red and Keefe because I only have one uh, Audible credit and I went into like this crippling indecision about which one to buy at the time. So you guys tell me, should I listen to the one about the troubles in Ireland and horrible murder or the one about a murder case uh, that uh, Harper Lee uh, started investigating to try and do her own um, in cold blood, even though the reader is supposed to not pronounce Southern names well, but I don't know about the Southern names. So you guys let me know because I can't decide. Where can they do that? You can do that at the Knicks podcast on Twitter. Or at uh, Fanny Darling on yeah, Twitter. Or at Fanny V. Tell Darling on up. Twitter. Make her read something. Yes, please, because I'm interested in both of those, and Barack Obama told me they were good, and I remember <laughs> when the president could tell me about a book. Uh, <laughs> and that was it. That's what he did. Nice. I saw a bunch of stuff that I really can't talk much about because you haven't seen any of it. Crochet yet. Project! <laughs> oh, Crochet Project. That's what. That's why I haven't seen any of this oh, stuff. Because right. I was finishing Fine. a Crochet Project. Okay. Um, I saw Little Women. We will talk about it next week or in one of the sort of upcoming episodes. Uh, I will say that Fanny's uh, go is earned here because I think in the preview I was sort of like, yeah, really? Little Women again? I just spoilers. I, I really liked it, and I want to talk more about it when Fanny's seen it. Um, the Mandalorian. I finished it. I it, I have never felt so like. Um, here's a spoiler because we're going to be talking about disappointments later. I've never felt so just like I should go get my teeth cleaned. It's been a year. Um, <laughs> I should finish the Mandalorian. I it, it felt like. However, eight episodes. I felt like eight episodes of getting my teeth cleaned. Um, it's important in a just like I don't want tooth decay. But um, anyways, I don't know. That's a bad analogy. No, it's not actually. Um, I thought you meant you watched it and were, and that's where your mind went. Oh, I should probably go get my I teeth mean, cleaned. That also. Um, they both work. His dark materials. Um, again, I want Fanny to finish this so we can talk about it. Um, it. We talked about it earlier. I was not. I was very skeptical. I did not think it was really landing uh, where it needed to. It pulls it around. It made me cry a little bit. Um, it, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it more. I want to. I want to talk about it when you've seen it. I think that sort of tension of stakes and what's happening really comes through in the end and you really feel it and it's frightening and it's kind of exciting and they did a really nice job. Uh, yeah, Daphne Keene, terrific. Um, I know you'll finish it and we'll talk more about it. Yeah, no, that. absolutely. And um, I, hearing that makes me feel good since I felt it was so perfunctory up yeah, to this point. Yeah, it really, it felt perfunctory and it gets uh, gets past that. And there's a guy, I think it's a guy or girl, I don't know what, but Jamie Childs is the director of the last two. And just noticeably, the, the style, the cinematography, the pacing, it's all better. I'm just let this person handle all of next season because this was just a very drastic step up. Nice. Um, so I'm excited to see how they handle the, the next book, which is going to be very tricky. I also saw Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, uh, which I believe is based on a novel. It is now on Amazon Prime. It's from last year. 
It stars uh, Jonah Hill is this gay sort of culty uh, AA figure and um, River Phoenix in a river. Oh my god, I keep doing that. I don't know why. Sorry, Joaquin. Um, I'm like, how'd that happen? I know. In a very good performance, it's you just once. Once in a while, you're like, oh, right, he is River Phoenix's. Like, he's a great actor. He's so good. It's just um, a little weird. Yeah, it's an interesting movie. I don't... It's odd. Did you see it? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It Jonah Hill is very good. Definitely the sort of most I've seen Jonah Hill stretch. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is, as I said, amazing. It is about somebody in recovery... Uh, it's based on the true story about a cartoonist who used to do these Portland. I don't really know this cartoonist. I'm totally blanking on his name, actually. But they're sort of far side adjacent, <laughs> like kind of dark humor. Um, the, the big joke is that he basically gets in an accident during his um, sort of drinking days and ends up in a wheelchair. And one of his most famous cartoons is basically Western like cowboys tracking him in the wheelchair is just like dumped over in the sand. And the caption is, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Ah, Good joke. Yes. Okay. Um, but it, I don't think it's great about recovery. I mean, I don't, this is always a topic that I'm sort of, I talked about mom and I'm sort of interested in kind of how that's represented. I don't think this does a great job of that, but it is interesting. There's some problems. I don't know. Um, it does feel a little Coen Brothers light, um, but I don't know. Worth watching. It's on Prime. Uh, I finished The Need by Helen Phillips, the book that I started, I think, last podcast I talked about starting it. I finished another book, guys. Um, really interesting. I also want you to read it and react to it, Fanny. It's yeah. um, really good sort of Paul Tremblay-ish setup. Um, it has a very, I don't know, ambiguous ending that's not quite satisfying in my mind, but I also think it might be a great piece of literature about sort of motherhood and um yeah i don't know really interesting fun to just keep reading i'm just loving once again loving my paperweight so thank you um and then after i read that i treated myself to some doom patrol which is grant morrison's run of guys we've crossed the threshold here i have started reading dc (laughs) so things are getting weird um doom doom patrol is very strange it i think it I don't even remember when it started, but it's been through many iterations of many authors. The only character that's a, a continual sort of character in it is Robot Man, played by uh, in the. There's a TV show on DC Universe, which I haven't seen yet. Brendan Fraser. And now that I've actually read this comic, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, but the side characters are all really interesting. There's a schizophrenic woman, multiple personality woman who can sort of pull all sorts of personalities, some of whom are psychotic. I mean, it's always DC versus Marvel. You're like, it's a little legion in that way. Um, And there's a uh, super uh, gender queer person that's basically a a dark spirit infused with kind of a whatever jock character, and they become this uh, sexually non-binary, not sexually, but gender non-binary sort of person who can release this dark spirit at certain times. Um, really crazy. There is a street that it, it's, you know, it was written back in the nineties and Grant Morrison. It's a transvestite, I believe street. Um, I, I haven't quite put that okay. together yet. Um, but this street ends up 
becoming a major part of the Doom Patrol thing, and this is like a, um, you know, cross cross dress. I don't know what the word. It's still just non-binary. I don't know how we talk about these things in that way anymore. Non-binary but, works. Um, yeah, it's a non-binary street. It's the fucking queerest, craziest comic book um, that I did not expect from a DC thing. And Grant Morrison, somebody that I have tried X-Men, I didn't love. I know he's like done a lot of things that people go crazy about. This is brilliant. This is sort of like everything that I hear about from Neil Gaiman that I want to like. This is actually the real deal. It is funny. It is so surreal. It's really smart while still being very accessible. Doom Patrol, Grant Morrison. I think it's a 90s uh, run. It's on Comixology, and now it's also on Kindle Unlimited, so I'm reading both of those, but I read a book. Um, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Really? It's okay, because I read a book. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. Should we go to our main topic? Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Ray and crew go, okay, boomer, and then go, hey, you're okay, boomer. In the purported finale to the Skywalker saga that's been building since 1977. That was my corny joke. Thank you for playing along. Uh, there will be spoilers because you've had a week to catch up and we got stuff to do. So we're just going to jump right into it. <laughs> um, what did you think of the final installment of a major part of our pop culture childhood? That's fine. Um, you should. <laughs> this That feels like what is on 2019's epitaph is it was fine <laughs> yeah uh we were all here for it we made it we yeah it's we i sat through it it was long if you are going to see this movie i suggest you see it with an excited 17 year old and a really excited five-year-old behind you because then the like yelling out and the not being able to contain your excitementness of the five-year-old is contagious and you pay no attention to the gaping plot holes that you're about to break your ankle in. So I enjoyed this movie. I had problems with this movie. I am glad that it still exists. I'm glad that the five-year-old ran out yelling, da 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 Skywalker! And that made the whole thing for me. So thank you, five-year-old. I hope that your parent knew that we all adored you and were not irritated. Um, what'd you think? So I had a journey with this movie, a journey from <laughs> from A to B. Um, it, I saw it after a few beers on the first, I believe, first or second night it opened. I was having horrible foot pain from my ankle. I was in a boot. I slipped, you know, midway because of said beers when I went to the bathroom and jammed my thumb. I was okay, in pain. We okay, I'm okay, boomering myself. Even, yep. Right, um, even though we're not boomers. We've You're an age prepper. We got um, that. Yeah. And I hated this movie, and Fanny got many angry texts. I, I did. It's true. Really disappointed because I really, I mean, I think we both liked the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie. On first watch, felt completely disjointed. Felt like MacGuffin the movie. Um, it just didn't really seem to land the character beats for me, and I couldn't even latch onto the visuals. And I was just like, "This is a disaster. What is this garbage?" Um, I went back with my twelve-year-old <laughs> niece. It's. I mean, Star Wars is very important to me. I've been watching this since I was like, you know, I saw the first one in the theaters in nineteen seventy-seven in San Francisco. Um, this means something to me and I went back and I went with my 12 year old niece. Hey Haven, shout out if you're ever listening to this and Haven has never seen 
a single Star Wars movie. And so I was trying to prep her about who the main players were, what was happening. And she was listening and asking questions. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. She was riveted by this movie. And so, so much so that I went back and said, okay, well, we need to start with Star Wars again. We have to watch Star Wars. And, of course, I fired that up and watched it. And she said, where's Ray? I don't want to watch it without Ray. And it really floored me sort of thinking about what this trilogy has meant to people. Um, Also, not being in pain and being sober, um, the MacGuffins I was able to sort of like A, follow and B. Not be as irritated by. I knew they were coming. And so I was a little like, okay, the first half of this movie is MacGuffins, the movie. I mean, it really, really is. It's like. You get the doohickey. Yeah, yeah. I lost the doohickey. Let's get another doohickey. Oh, that one doesn't work. Well, who's got the other doohickey? Um, it is really sloppy, the first half of it. There are incredibly arresting scenes once you sort of settle into kind of what it is. The scene with Ray, um, we're going spoilers. We said we we're going to do it. The scene with Ray fighting um, Kylo in the desert and flipping over and cutting his right. wing off. Beautiful imagery, yeah, just totally. like really drawing from, um, you know, really great like Hong Kong cinema. There's yep. some really great stuff that works well. The pacing is terrible. Yeah. I mean, it just is like scene smushed with scene with scene with scene. It never breathes. The action scenes kind of don't really build, except for maybe that one that I just mentioned. It's right. just, it's, it's a traffic jam of a movie. <laughs> but overall, I really enjoyed enjoyed how it finished the Ray storyline and I think okay here's the nice thing I'm going to say about it um Kurt you know wouldn't be a 2019 Knicks without talking about the curtains are not just blue um the once I sort of thought about it a little more this movie is so clearly about Republicans standing up to goddamn fucking Donald Trump and doing the right thing. Right. Um, and it's, you know, I don't think it takes a rocket science to see that, right? Scientists to see that, but it's very much, um, you know, not only Kylo's redemption story, but also Ray's story of like, you can be born to horrible people that make horrible choices. Uh, you know, boomers <laughs> that made really bad choices and figure out other people that, are actually your chosen family. And I was thinking about the title and the rise of Skywalker. And it really is, uh, about you are who you choose to be. And, and, and you're, that's not your, so many people are so upset and I understand why they're upset about how it undoes so much of the last Jedi. And I get that. And I'm very sensitive to that. And I think the way they treat Rose is not good at all, but I really do think the end of the movie, the message is, you know, even though she's not nobody, she is from some sort of lineage, and that's where the force comes. And I get that that's problematic, and it was more interesting maybe if she was a nobody. She rejects that right. and chooses a different thing. And it really, it you know, we've talked about on this podcast a lot about chosen family and how that can get to you. And the second time around, that part of it really stuck out to me and moved me. No, um, absolutely. And I also think Daisy Ridley is terrific in all yeah, three of these movies very and, good the scene where the three cohere. of them hug together yeah and i'm glad they didn't try and figure out how to pair everyone off and instead yeah. it was just like the, you know what that's actually not super important what's important is all of these people are are 
having each other's backs and showing up for each other and worrying about each other. And okay, I don't care that I never know what they were going to say in the quicksand. I don't. Yeah, maybe they should have cut the line. Yeah, but I actually, but, the more I think about it, I think it's a joke on, okay, yeah, you I expect agree. there to be pairings, and this right. is not what this movie's about. And I liked that. Yeah. I do, I have a slight quibble with, I understand it goes in with the name Rise of Skywalker. I got it. I understand the logical family. I understand that too. I wish she had either owned her own name and decided this I've chosen to make it good. I've chosen to walk this path with these people or just left no name. She doesn't need to be a Skywalker to be good. And so I did, I had a mild quibble with her adopting that name because it's not your name that makes your family. It's not your name that makes your choices, which I felt was part of the point of the movie. Um, And so then to have her, I get why they did it. I understand. I accept it. It's just my own mild quibble. Um, it, it feels very boomery in that yeah. way, right? Yeah. That it's like you do need to still at the end of the day choose right. somebody who's a mentor, which right. I don't know is also important. So you know I'm what? I got mentors. I didn't take their last this. names. Yeah. But what if you really hate your last name? I don't know. It's um, just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can really hate your last name and just get rid of it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. She should have just said. Madonna. <laughs> it's Ray. Just Ray. Cher. Yes, um. exactly. Like Cher or Madonna or RuPaul. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, not a perfect ending. No. Um, lots of problems. But still super fun. And at the end of the day, people, these are kids' movies. These are movies to inspire children, to make children feel good, and they were important to you when you were a child, and that's really awesome. They're not Citizen Kane, and they never were. They were supposed to be fun. They were supposed to be pulpy. They were supposed to just have you take a fun ride and maybe learn a little bit or feel good about yourself. So stop making them toxic because you remember them as being so important to you, which is great. Let them be so important to you, but stop turning them into something that you, you, that you weaponize. Just I know. I mean, I have to say the online conversation about this movie has been infinitely more tiring than the movie Mm. itself. Stop it. And you, and especially you people who weren't even alive in 1977 to go see the first one and know, yes, it was amazing, and it was. I had the T-shirts, I had the dolls, I had it all. I got it. I'm not saying it wasn't important to me. It was. I'm also saying that it was also this fun, crazy comic booky ride, and it was for us, and that's why it meant something. So stop fighting over it. Stop picking it apart. Stop retconning everything. Yeah. It stop need, it. It doesn't need to be the like, um, mm. you know, litmus test of the culture wars. Just it's just. St- it's stop it. Stop yeah. using it to attack women. S- stop. And also. Go fucking fight Trump. I'm right. pretty sure. Like, <laughs> we could do that. Please. Yeah. And I'm saying that to myself all... too, but it's like, this is not um, a good use of our this isn't divisive the fight. energy. We're like, all on the same team. Yeah. This is not the fight. Use yeah. the fight for something that actually changes our world. It's gross. Stop. Yeah. So Anyway, sorry. Um, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. Should we move into disappointments? Sure. All right. You go first. Oh, I'm going first. We're going to do three each. We're going to go back and forth. 
Um, and again, these are things that are not necessarily like the worst things of the year. They are things that we maybe came with some expectations about or just things that, you know, people love in general that we are here to next because that's what we do. Right. Um, speaking of not letting <laughs> the divisive uh, ideology get in the way of things, now we're going to shit on some things. Here we go. Hey! What's first on your list? <laughs> uh, first on my list, I feel so badly about this. And we're this was one that yeah, I'm not, but I was, I had waited 32 years, you guys. <laughs> like 32 years for the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. Which is probably one of, remains one of the best books I have ever read in my life. And certainly one of the seminal book reading experiences that I have ever had. This and like, I can't even think of it because it's not Grapes Around, East of Eden. This and East of Eden, like they were huge things to me. And Dave's rereading East of Eden right now. So good. Yeah. And... When the Testaments came out, I tried so hard for so long with this book to make it more than a gripping beach read. It was a great gripping beach read, but I wanted it to be so much more than it was. I'm with you. I mean... My heart broke a little bit. I won't say, Margaret Atwood, you broke my heart, because you didn't. And you've done so many other good things. Yes, and and you're amazing in the culture, and, and it's not a bad book. It just wasn't the book I wanted it to be. Yeah, I agree. I think we talked about it here. Go back and listen to that episode. Uh, My number one is, speaking of Star Wars, uh, and not wanting to shit on people's enjoyment of things, but The Mandalorian, a million people love it. I was excited for this um, because I just thought it could be like a fun, western-y kind of thing. I love some Samurai Jack. I love um, good, I love all the Kurosawa movies that everybody keeps throwing around. This show is just kind of boring to me, and I think it completely rides on Baby Yoda cuteness and has literally nothing else going for it. It wastes Pedro Pascal, um, who I don't want to go into any kind of spoilers, but um, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some, yeah, it's a waste. It's, uh, I don't know, I mean, and I'm so happy people are enjoying it. To me, this feels like, you know, the kids playing with the action figures, and I think for kids that's great <laughs> um but i actually think even compared to like rise of skywalker i'm like this is nothing it's there's literally nothing here that i can latch on to it's competently made sort of except it's always very dark i can't ever see what's happening um i have no it ends sorry spoilers with and i know you won't care about this with something that is a reference to something from one of the animated shows or one of the video games and it's like the big spoiler that this thing has showed up in the star trek star wars universe and i'm like don't i don't care like what i don't watch those shows there yeah there's something like a kitty star wars thing and like a slightly less kitty thing and you know even though they're all for kids which you sort of I've said, but the Mandalorian just feels like the cartoons to me. I'm just sort of like, I need something else there. There's no other layers to anything. Um, so that show was a big disappointment. Uh, what do you got next? Again, Margaret Atwood. I love you. Jordan Peele. I love you. I loved us. I love what you're doing. I don't care if you're putting, if you're re-releasing this show in black and white to make it feel even more like the original, you messed up Twilight Zone. Oh, it's so bad. And I had such faith that you weren't going to mess it up. 
And that's, I think that's what broke my heart because I stood stead for everybody. No, you can't redo Twilight. No, no, you can't do it. Jordan Peele can do it. Jordan Peele can do this. It's going to be great. The first episode, okay, should have been a half an hour long, but would have been good if it was a half an hour long if we didn't have to see so many people get killed by comedy. And then it just really went downhill from there. And, I don't think there's a single really good episode of this. No, there's yeah. not. And it's such a waste and very, very sad. And Jordan Peele, I'm giving you another chance with Lovecraft Country. Please do well with this and we'll be okay. Do another great horror movie. We will be okay. I forgive you and your adorable wife and your beautiful baby. I forgive you. Please don't mess anything else up. That was important to, to me as a child. We kind of had to fight for who was going to do that one. We didn't really yeah. fight about it, but man, this could have been on both of our lists. Because yeah. um, it was hard, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw is my number two disappointment. <laughs> I, maybe this one's on me for actually thinking this was so going to be good. Though. I thought the preview for this thing was the most fun thing I'd seen all year. I think I talked about it on the podcast. I love Jake Gyllenhaal in like crazy mode. Tony Collette. One of my favorites. It looked fantastic. The premise of paintings that kill people, I'm all in for. That's actually sort of a slightly Doom Patrol related thing um, that does it much better. And as I was reading Doom Patrol, I was like, oh, they fucked this up for Velvet Buzzsaw. This is such a terrible movie. <laughs> it's no wonder it got dumped on Netflix. Um, it just came and went and was just nothing burger. Um, I'm very upset about it. I'm sorry. I am sorry. <laughs> what do you got next? Netflix. And not just because they're billions and billions of dollars and screwing up a whole bunch of other stuff. But Netflix, you you spend hundreds of millions of dollars to put really, really crappy content out there. And when you have a winner, you take it away from us for no apparent reason. I am still mad at you about canceling Santa Clarita Diet on a cliffhanger, on a fabulous run of three amazing seasons, and like without, and you did it after the cliffhanger happened anyway. You gave nobody a chance to do anything. I don't get to see, see Timothy Oliphant. What happens after he swallows the zombie pill? He's not gonna say, fuck you, ants, anymore. No more Drew Barrymore, no more Liv Hewson, no more Skylar Giznato because Righteous Gemstones, it's probably not my thing. Oh, I forgot about mm. that show. I'm so disappointed in, this is disappointments, and I am so disappointed in you, Netflix, for taking away Santa Clarita Diet. I I think this is You maybe... put on two seasons of You, but I don't get Santa, I don't get the, I don't get even like a movie to close out Santa Clarita Diet. It's not okay. I think this is maybe the year that Netflix is sort of taking a turn. I don't know whether they're just like not keeping up with anything, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm not okay with it. Yeah. Uh, Slater Kinney, a band I adore. Um, this is a silly one because I still love them. I saw them at the Fox Theater. I thought it was a phenomenal show. Their drummer quit during the making of this album. Uh, St. Vincent, who's sort of a very arty, kind of poppier, I don't know if poppier is the right word, but slicker producer got involved. They're, they keep pushing their sound. This album was just not for me, and I every other Slater Kinney album has been probably like my favorite album of the year and this one just i it was just there and i just whenever your favorites kind of just let you down like that but 
this is a very like with a little caveat of they're trying new things and God bless them for sort of not resting on their laurels. They've made a different kind of sound almost every album while still retaining what makes them so sort of wild. And this one just didn't feel wild, but they're also <laughs> getting to a certain age where maybe they're like, I don't, we don't need to be wild with every album and sort of blow the roof off everything. So who knows? This may be an album that I sit with for five years and, think about in their overall catalog in a different way but as far as sort of just playing it this year i didn't play this album very much and that, that just <laughs> a disappointment um but you know i feel terrible saying that keep keep making new albums and i love you guys and uh and you, the world needs you so keep experimenting um all right should we wrap it up sure where can they talk to us about any of this stuff? What it, were your big disappointments? Yeah, because we would like to know. You can talk to us on Facebook. Just search for the next podcast uh, at uh, at a blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> motion at at gmail dot com is our is our email address. You can find us on Twitter, as I said earlier, at the next podcast. And I am at Fanny V Darling, and I'm at Justin Hartung, and we will be back next week with some 2020 new decade preview. <laughs> Have a happy new year, you guys. Be safe.